let's wrap things up. You're near the end of a long project. It's been a good project. The pieces have all fallen into place. You have seen God's hand. And now you're excited how the project will impact others. There are just a few things left to do. Sometimes, at least I have noticed, it's hard for me to get motivated to put away the last few tools where they belong. I hear a few snickers like, you've been there. They're on the workbench right now. Yeah, my workbench is pretty full. Or maybe you're writing a report and you have just those last few paragraphs to write, to, to wrap it up, and it's like, man, what do I say? How do you say goodbye to something and move on to the next thing? Let's wrap things up. We have spent 20 messages moving through the book of Ephesians. I have loved doing it. I've learned. I've changed. But it's time to call the book to a close. We look at the last four verses this morning found in chapter 6. And I think, I know, I know all Scripture is inspired. All Scripture is profitable. I know that. But when you get down to these last four verses, it's like, Paul, you're just wrapping it up. But as I spent time in the text... I was blessed. I learned. There are important truths for us to discover in these last four simple verses that we can apply. So I want you to stay motivated through these last four verses. See, Paul is bringing his final wishes to the end of the book of Ephesians. It's, it's like you've been, you've been in a location, your family and friends have joined you for either a vacation or a time of family reunion, and now it's time to pack up the car and say goodbye. And, and it's bittersweet, because you really don't want the time to end. Through the book of Ephesians, we have scraped the Milky Way in theological and spiritual truth. And Paul is saying, I've got to say goodbye. I've got to conclude the letter. So, so let's look at the final four verses together. Page 1246, they're in the Pew Bible. Now, to remind you, Paul has spent the first three chapters spelling out and 
detailing just some of our riches in Jesus Christ. We are wealthy Christians, amen? Wealthy. And how much of it did I work and earn from God? None. And the theme of grace runs through the book. Grace, God's unmerited favor. Starting in chapter 4, Paul then shows us how we should walk in light of who we are in Christ. Walk worthy. Don't forget who you are. You're representing the King of kings and the Lord of lords, so please walk worthy. But then in chapter 6, verse 10, Paul teaches us that we are in spiritual warfare. We need God's strength. We need God's armor and that we need to pray and to say, God, I am totally dependent upon you in this walk of faith. I, I need you to guard me. I need to put on every piece of the armor that he has provided. But I'm in the battle and I must depend upon God to do that. So let's look at chapter 6 of Ephesians, verse 21. So that you may know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you, all who love our Lord Jesus with love incorruptible. That ends the book. Who is this Tychicus? Now understand, I've been practicing that name for decades. Tychicus. And I, I, must, I must digress, because I have a little bit of time. We were serving in a church. Brad was born, and Brenda was on the way. And we had a missionary speaker come in. His name was Bud. I won't forget that. And he said, what are you going to name the new one when it comes along? And I said, I don't have a clue. And I said, can I make a suggestion? Tychicus. <laughs> and I went, what? So it drove me to the text to find out who is this? Well, I'm glad that we had a girl and not a boy. <laughs> Tychicus. Low-profile Tychicus. On the surface, he seems like an obscure ministry companion. He is mentioned in only five verses in the entire New Testament. 
you would think, ah, he's just kind of a, a bit player in a big scheme of things. Far from the truth. See, Tychicus first appears in Acts 20. He appears after a riot in Ephesus. He's from Asia Minor, and many scholars believe that he actually was from the city of Ephesus. As you look at the other passages, which I've listed for you that you can kind of see where he is appearing, he and Onesimus, that's another name you have to practice for a while, carried letters or epistles to the Ephesians, to the believers in Colossae, and possibly even a letter to the Laodiceans. He was with Paul in Rome when these letters were written. He was also one of the men chosen to accompany Paul when he took a financial gift offering from Gentile churches to bring it back to the Jerusalem church because they were going through a severe famine. One author says, when Paul was arrested, Tychicus, along with Dr. Luke and others, stayed with Paul through the epic journey to Rome, which included, now think about this, his arrest, his imprisonment in Caesarea, his miserable voyage and the shipwreck en route to Rome. He is now with Paul in his time in Rome, who Paul now is under house arrest, awaiting trial, and Tychicus has stood by his man through all of that. Would you say he is more than just a friend? Well, Paul is going to tell us in this text even more about Tychicus. The purpose of sending him is found in verse 21, the first part. So that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. That's the purpose. See, Tychicus knew Paul in his ministry. Tychicus could provide a first-hand account of how Paul was doing and what was he doing and how he was fearing through all this. It would be like when we bring a missionary here and we give them time in the service to bring a report. What are they doing? How are they doing personally? What's the future hold for them? That's why missionary letters are so important to read. That's how we take time to post them for you, that you can take one home and read it and study it and pray for these missionaries because they are on the front lines of ministry. Those letters keep us informed on how to pray. And the bottom line is, Paul cared about these believers there in Ephesus. He had a heart connection with them. 
Paul then goes on to describe Tychicus. You need to know that Tychicus, because of his connection with this church, he was a known commodity. This was not an introduction to the man. This was a commendation. A set of praise, of accolades. Paul is expressing approval. He is saying, a job well done. Now, where do I get that? Verse 21, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. What was the personal connection? He calls him beloved brother. This has the idea of a valued friend. Well, of course he's valued. He's been with him through thick and thin. Tychicus served as a messenger on behalf of Paul to other churches. And these words, beloved brother, talk about the great love Paul had for this man. It speaks of his affection. But, but notice, I, I noticed a word there and I had to chase it down and it's such a simple word, the beloved brother. we would expect to find a beloved brother, one of many. But not here. Not as Paul is riding back to Tychicus' home church. He singles him out, calls him by name, and says, this is the beloved brother. Because this man was loved by both Paul and and by the local church. Matter of fact, that word the there says that Paul had favorites. And he, he didn't hide it. He didn't say, Tychicus, one of many, that is ten. No, no, no. This is the, this is the man in my life that has been with me, that has served me, that has been with me through thick and thin. So he is the beloved brother, but secondly, he is the faithful minister. See, that speaks to his character. He is totally trustworthy to Paul and the ministry there. See, Tychicus was willing to devote himself to God's service. He was a helper to Paul, but he was an active worker for the cause of Christ. One author said that Paul viewed Tychicus, his helper, as, it says in the text, in the Lord, bestowed a dignity on him and on the relationship that no expression can match. This guy was it. And notice, there were no secrets between Paul and Tychicus. There, there was nothing held back because he says, he will tell you everything. This man knows my heart. 
He knows what I'm doing. He knows the situation I'm in. Tychicus will just explain it all to you. He then goes on in verse 22 to give another reason why he was sending Tychicus. Verse 22, I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Notice there's a shift in the text. In verse 21, Paul wants him to know how he was doing. But 22, that you may know how we are doing. Paul is not alone. See, ministry is made up of people doing it in team fashion. And Paul is saying, I want you to know how the team is doing, not just me. Yes, I know you're concerned about me. I'm the one in chains. I get it. We just went through a week of vacation Bible school. We had a ball. We had close to 30 kids here, close to 30 workers, safe, fun, enjoyable. The gospel was presented. People served with joy. Um, people called Julie this week and said, thank you for letting me serve. Yes. It's a team. No one person can do it. So Paul wants them to know about the team. But secondly, Paul wants to encourage their hearts. Now, isn't that strange? Think about this. Shouldn't it be Paul needing the encouragement? Remember what, where Paul is at? He's in house arrest in Rome, in chains, seemingly limiting the gospel. He's itching. He should be in the dumps. But he's not. He said, matter of fact, I'm going to send Tychicus. I want to send you encouragement. I, I want you to see the man that is close to my heart, and I want you to ask him all the questions you need to because God's doing a work here in Rome. See, churches like ours need news of God's work around the world. Why? Because we need to be encouraged. We need to be strengthened so that we can continue the work that we are doing as we hear a God working in other places. And I'll tell you right now, the missionaries need to hear how things are happening at Grandview to encourage them. I, I don't. I, let me just remind you of something. I don't make a big deal of this. But do you realize that because of support that we send, right now we are planting, on average, 
25 new churches every year in India and Nepal. Two a month. And we've been doing that, so we've been doing that for at least five years. So we have over a hundred churches in India, in Nepal, of people who have never heard the gospel. And they are meeting in groups of 20 and 30 because they don't have church buildings. And they're living in sometimes very serious situations of antagonism. And they meet. And they are sharing the gospel within their communities, their little villages. And we're a part of an organization that would like to plant. Now you think about how populous India and Nepal are. They would like to have a gospel-preaching church in every village in India in the next 10 years. You're a part of that. That that should keep you up at night excited about what God is doing in other parts of the world. And your contributions help fund that. one One of the exciting things that I get to think about on a regular basis. He then goes on in the last two verses. A four-part prayer of blessing. Final words to the church. Peace be to the brothers. And love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus with love incorruptible. Four key words come out of that blessing. First is peace. Peace be to the brothers. That's the only time that phrase is used in the New Testament. So this does not speak of our peace with God. He's talked about that earlier in the book. This is reconciliation with one to another within the body. Peace was necessary because of the Jewish-Gentile problem that Paul wrote to Ephesus, to the Ephesians about, to, to make it better. They were in factions. And what they learned from Paul is we need peace to live in community as part of the body of Christ. Amen? We need peace. And right now, if the Holy Spirit is bringing someone to mind that you realize you are not at peace with within the body, would you just stop and pray right now for that person? So that peace might reign among the brothers. Secondly, he says love. Because mutual love is the key to peace. Love enables us to worship God, yes, but love allows me to work with other believers. 
See, God has provided all that we need in Christ, all that we need to love one another within the body. And also God commands us to love, to love one another. One author said, and it just gripped me, it is never hypocrisy to bend our wills to the scriptural mandates that we read. Because there are some people right now you don't love that are part of the body. And you're saying, well, for me to love them is hypocrisy. No, no, no. It's understanding this is what the Scriptures call you to do. So you do it. And it's amazing over time as you exhibit love for another person that in the past has been unlovable for you, your heart will begin to change. Love. He then talks about love with faith. See, mature and mutual love rests on common faith. Faith involves belief and trust. Now, faith begins with belief. But belief alone is not faith. Now, why do I say that? Because it says even the demons believe and shudder. So it's not just belief alone. There also must be connected with that belief an element of trust. Trusting God on the basis of what we believe and living it out. That's faith. And finally he concludes with grace. He started the book in chapter 1 verse 2 with grace. In the very last chapter of the book, he concludes with grace. He bookends this beautiful book with God's unmerited favor. It's a free gift from God for us who receive it by faith. See, God's grace does not depend upon our undying love, but on His faithfulness and His promise. See, God wants to create in churches a climate where peace, love, faith, and grace dominate all relationships, where God is sovereign where Christ is loved. And such a climate is the arena for victorious spiritual warfare. And it's also the climate for successful family living. There are five principles that come out of these four simple, clear verses. Let me give them to you. Number one, intelligent prayers are based on information. Let me say that again. Intelligent prayers are based on information. So we don't always need the information and the details, but I will tell you, my heart and my head are moved by information. 
I remember in seminary talking to a missions professor who, as I worked on his car, that was one of the best, some of the best things I learned. And he said to me, Brian, God moves on the basis of information. What does that mean, Walt? Well, do you think God's going to call you to Bogo Bogo without knowing where Bogo Bogo is or what's happening there? Well, no. Do you think we would be calling Wade to come here next Sunday if we did not know about Wade? Would we just open a phone book somewhere in the United States and say, here's the man, let's just, let me just, that's not how God works. God uses information to change us, to direct us. And the more data he gives me, the more I can pray intelligently. Number two, Paul cared deeply for his Christian friends. He cared for Tychicus. He cared for his readers. He had a pastoral heart for these people. And it's very evident throughout the whole book, but especially here. Number three, Paul valued personal preference. I mean, presence, personal presence. See, he, he could have sent another letter saying, let me just give you a little update. Let me give you a memo of how I'm doing. He doesn't do that. He said, you know what? The best way to know how I'm doing, because I love you so much, I'm going to send my most trusted friend to bring a verbal report, and you can ask him all the questions you want to. And I've told him, be honest with them. Wow. Personal presence. He shared his friend, his very self, to bring comfort and encouragement to these believers. Number four. Paul engaged in a team ministry. He involved others with him. Here at Grandview, I don't think you've understood, we have been, for more than 10 years, phasing out a word that we hardly ever use anymore. Now, what is that word? I won't ask for, for people to guess. The word is volunteers. We don't ask for volunteers anymore. We haven't for years. Matter of fact, we are committed to looking for ministry partners. That's the term we use. Why? Because we can't do this alone. We need someone to yoke up with us and say, would you partner with us in accomplishing this? It took 30 ministry partners to pull off vacation Bible school. And the reason we don't use volunteers, it seems so temporary. It seems so low commitment. Oh, you're just, you're just a volunteer. No. You're a ministry partner with us. Paul understood that. That describes us and your commitment to ministry. 
your commitment to kingdom advancement here in this place. Number five, we are not fighting this battle alone. We have a team of people around us that we can tap at any moment in prayer and encouragement to say, I need your help. I need your encouragement. I need your strength. Please pray for me. And that's why we come together. That's why we're a part of the body of Christ. So what does this mean for us? We live in a crazy world, amen? We live in a crazy world that zooms now everything. Everything is online. And we think when we see someone on a two-dimensional screen, this is, this is face-to-face conversation. Folks, it's not. We need flesh and blood presence. Nothing can take the place of a real person spending real time and sharing real space with other real people. Amen? We miss it. It has been hard with COVID-19 to connect. But we have. And we need to continue it for our own sanity. Number two, God has designed us to operate in a team as we live in community. We need each other to accomplish all that God has planned for us in this place. There are no bit players. Number three, God's, I mean, Paul's view of his friends and his concern for them and for their needs needs to be copied by us. As we care for, as we bless others, it changes the way we relate to other people. It is hard to extend God's peace and God's love to people if we do not care about them. Amen? God has given us this body, this family, to care for one another. Number four. Every time this letter is read, now you think about how many times this letter has been read in the Close to 2,000 years it has been written. Every time they hear the name Tychicus, there is an implicit thanksgiving for this man who invested his life in ministry and in Paul. It speaks of his faithfulness to the church and his faithfulness to a man. See, we need to commend those who serve faithfully. Amen. God's timing of this message was so 
beautiful. Because today is Rob Kleshak's last Sunday as our director of youth. And I'm going to miss having you in the office next to mine. Rob is stepping down. He has other things that need his attention right now. Before I talk about Rob, I watched a family serve at VBS. For years, I've watched this family serve as a unit repeatedly. And you bless my soul. huge hole here that will open up. They have been ministry partners, all five of them. Even though, Emmett, you're a little goofy at times. But that's why he gets the choice parts in the plays for Vacation Bible School. This family our beloved friends, faithful servants. I could go on and on, but I've already preached once this morning, and I won't do it again. But we need to pray for this family as they make a transition, as they redouble their efforts in new areas, as God continues to use them in ministry. Julie, do you want to add any words to that? Hello? Um, of course I will add some words to that. <laughs> oh, I totally agree with everything Pastor Brian has said. It has been Um, Deanna is uh, so faithful, so dependable, so full of wisdom. She is one of these people that I text sometimes daily and say, what do you think about this? I need your input. And she is, has blessed me and helped me to be better at what I do. She is a godly woman, and I have watched her support her husband and her family so <laughs> quietly. You don't know. You, you, you don't see it because she does it in a very humble, humble way. It's a beautiful example. One of the things I love about Deanna is you never have to guess what she's thinking, <laughs> and, I, and I mean that in the best way. I wish it. I had more of that, and that's, she's helped me grow in that area. And these children, <laughs> this one, when he was in pre-K, if anyone taught in the pre-K classroom when Emmett was in there, 
you know what I'm talking about. He would come in with his little Bible ready to preach, and he would ask me every Sunday, can I, can I preach this Sunday school lesson? Can I do it? And he'd open up his little Bible, and, and he would go at it. And it was so precious, and it was always with great expression. <laughs> and uh, these two precious things. So talented, so talented. The whole family. You don't understand the hours these kids have put in behind the scenes, learning the songs, learning the motions, learning the lines for the play, coming with mom and dad every week and serving and serving. And it has been beautiful. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And Rob has been a faithful servant of this church and a co-worker in the gospel. He has done what I've asked him to do. And I appreciate that. So we have a Tychicus here. It's almost easier to say than Kleshak, you know that. <laughs> almost. We love you. We love your family. We want God's will and God's best for all of you. And um, would you thank them as we leave today for a job well done. And worship team, would you come up and close us in one more song, please. <laughs>